We're talking about uh, slander today. If you have your Bibles, it's going to be in James chapter 4. If you're new today, by the way, we have some special Kentucky people here today. Um, I didn't know them until now, but I'm sure they're cousins. And uh, so I'm super happy that my Kentucky people are here today. Uh, thank you for, for coming. But um, we've been walking through the book of James. And so we've made it to chapter 4. And we're talking about slander. And one of the things about James that's amazing to me has been how um, relevant it is for today. Because it's like topic after topic, and it's incredibly topical. Topic after topic he talks about is something that we deal with every day today, especially in America. And he talk, he's talking about slander, and you don't have to go far to see something slanderous as long as you're ever on social media at all. And, and people slander you know, the president or the former president or... I mean, it's just every place. And so James deals with a topic that we're today on chapter 4, 11 and 12, chapters, uh, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, something that we deal with all the time. So I'm, I'm researching for this message, and I came across a headline that said, Facebook defamation leads to $500,000 settlement in Asheville, which isn't far from here, you know. So I read the article. This, it's about this lady. Her name is Daphne Davis. She uh, is a general manager at a uh, radio station. And somebody wrote about her on Facebook, at least I didn't get drunk and kill my kid. Which is at, at least rude, and in this case was uh, considered defamation. And evidently she had this running feud with this woman named Jacqueline. And over and over Jacqueline had said false things about her on Facebook, and eventually it cost her $500,000. Uh, it's every place. Now... Uh, it's called defamation of character in our world. Um, I didn't know this, but written defamation is called libel. Spoken defamation is called slander. God calls both of them sin, and he tells us to stop it. And so today we're going to talk about what this looks like. So if you have your Bibles, we're in James 4. We're going to look at a couple of verses, and then we're going to jump back and break it all down and, and look at it. Let's just kind of look at the chunk at first, and then we'll go back and we'll break it down. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. By the way, when he says brothers and sisters, understand the book of James is written by a Christian to Christians. Now, it applies to everyone, honestly. This is good truth for everybody. But when he says brothers and sisters, he is specifically making a point, an argument. Hey, you all, all of us who are Christians, we should act differently. So, let's apply it to today. Brothers and sisters, if you're in here and you're a Christian... We should not slander. Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, and we're going to talk about all this, I promise, you are not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and only one judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? So uh, slander is basically saying something false hoping something bad happens to the person you say it against. So it's saying something false with a malicious intent. I'd like to say something. I know it's not true. It's going to make you look bad, and hopefully there'll be a, a negative consequence because of it. It could, you know, I want you to lose your job, or I want you to, it doesn't matter. As long as you say it with some evil intent, that is slander. And the Bible constantly talks about a reputation, how important it is. Look at this verse. A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. And 
over and over in Scripture, it talks about this. Now, time out just for a second, okay? Look at me just for a second. We read warning labels all the time, and, and they start to lose sort of their edge. I, I read a warning label on an iron that said, don't iron the shirt while you're wearing it. Uh, so, I mean, it's like, if you get burned ironing a shirt while you're wearing it, you kind of deserve it. I mean, really, seriously. But, but there's warning labels every place, and, and they start to lose their effectiveness. It's almost like the boy that cried wolf. Everything is a danger. And, and there are other, I mean, there, there, are, there are warnings out there. You see these ads about, um, you know, meth, taking meth, and, and it's bad. You know, I'm from central Kentucky. It's kind of bad in central Kentucky, and I've got a cousin. I literally have a cousin uh, who um, uh, is 25 years old. She looks like she's 65 years old because she got hooked on meth. I mean, so you see these pictures and these ads, and they'll say this is before meth and after meth, and don't do that. And, and the big one right now, and it is so relevant and true, is don't text and drive. And I, uh, on Friday, I drove to Atlanta Air to the Atlanta airport to pick up my daughter who'd been on vacation, and to drive her back. And I was, I am baffled. I, I am stunned at how many people I look at who are looking at their phones. And, and you know, it's distracting. And um, of course, I'm distracted looking at people looking at their phones. So I mean, I'm not sure it's any better, but. But it's like, we hear the warnings, and, and you know as well as I do, it's really a, a bad idea to look at your phone. I mean, they're, re, they're typing. Like, that's really not smart. You know it's not smart, right? Then why do we do it? Because we think we can get away with it. H have you ever done that? Just confession time, everybody, just confession. You can raise your hand on this. If you've seen that, how many of you start praying, let there be a, a, a cop. Let there be a cop. Let there be a, are you wanting to get caught? Anybody? Anybody? You all are lying. I know you do. Oh, we just don't pray like that. Oh, yeah, you do. Listen, um, I, I, am, I am like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, let, may a cop come up on him. I just, I mean, because seriously, you kind of want it for their sake because you don't want him to be driving like that. I was coming down uh, Reed School Road, which is just right up here the other day. Elise and I were coming to church, and I don't live far from here, about three miles. And we were coming toward church, and this car, I mean, literally, seriously, it was, it was on over both lines. It was over the white line, and then it got over the double yellow line. And, it, and they turned on to Wade Hampton, and they were on their phones. That's a, curvy, that's a curvy road. I mean, it's bad enough if it's straight. And, and um, so because I'm a good citizen, um, um, I dialed 911. And uh, so if that was you, you deserve it. I uh, just want you to know that. We get these warnings, and sometimes we just sort of don't take them to heart. L listen to me. We're talking about a topic that seriously, literally, in the Old Testament... The, the Old Testament talks more about slander than anything negative. Like, it, it deals with slander more often than it deals with idolatry. I mean, this is a, to God, this is a huge deal. Let me show you a couple verses from Proverbs. Notice how many of these have to do with slander, or how, how many of these have to do with what we say. 
Um, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, and you can read like uh, abortion, that sort of thing. A heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. So at least three and probably four of those have to deal with the tongue. And at the very, it's, it's something that the Lord hates and that are detestable to him. Now, if God is our Father, then one of the things we should want to do is not do something that he hates or detests. I've got daughters, I've got four of them. I, I would prefer that they not do things that I hate or detest, right? If we're good children of our Heavenly Father, we would want to avoid the things that we don't do, that, that, that we don't want to do the things that he hates or detests. Jesus talks about slander. Look at this verse. You talk about, my dad used to say, you're known by the people you run with, right? Uh, bad company corrupts good character. He talked about it all the time. Look at what Jesus, he lumps slander in with some things. Just notice what he lumps it in with. For out of the heart uh, uh, comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. God takes this really seriously. Therefore, we should take it really seriously. I don't, know, I don't know any other way to say this, but look, this is really important to God. And Jesus, think about Jesus. Jesus came to this earth. To, he says, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. He came to do good things. Think about the things he did. He healed people. He fed people. He did great things. Yet, look at what they said about him. Here is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. If there had been Twitter, if there had been a Facebook, uh, this would have been on uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Jesus, uh, prophet, question mark? I think not. He is a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of sinners and tax collectors. And, and the reason Jesus was crucified... The chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false evidence against Jesus so they could put him to death. That is called slander. So there's a reason God finds it incredibly serious because it led to the execution of his son. He found it serious before then. So this is a really serious thing. I just wanted to let you know. We, we're going to have fun with this message, but understand something. This is a really serious thing, a, a really serious topic. And it is so prevalent in our world that we, we best not just blow by this. Now, if you recall, if you were here last week, the first of James, James chapter 4, deals with how to know you're a Christian. The identifying mark of a Christian is humility. In, in James 4, 6, it says, God opposes the proud, shows favor to the humble. In James 4, 10, it says, humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. And so... If you go to get memorabilia, what you want, look, I'm using my pointer, uh, this is a certificate of authenticity. You want that. I, I watch Pawn Stars, some of y'all watch that show, and the people will bring an item in, they'll bring in, you know, here's a clicker, and uh, they'll say, uh, uh, how much, I'd like $9 million for this clicker, and, and uh, Rick, Rick will say, well, I don't know much about clickers, but I have a friend, I have a clicker expert, and uh, I'm going to call him in, because he doesn't know anything, evidently, and he calls the clicker expert in, and the clicker expert in, comes in, and he says, well, it's not worth $9 million, it is worth 90 cents, though, uh, you know, and so the guy's always disappointed. He, he, but the one that really 
is interesting to me is when they have autographs. And he'll say, well, do you have a certificate of authenticity? Well, no. And by the way, you can fake those too. I don't even know what that means. But so he'll have an expert come in. The expert will have a, you know, iPad or whatever. And he's looking at, oh, yeah, the A, he curls the, the A just like here. And he curls the B just like here. And yeah, this is true. Or he'll say, no, no, this isn't, this isn't Babe Ruth. It's Baby Ruth. And so uh, uh, they'll, they'll make a determination. Well, in chapter 4, at the beginning of the chapter, James says, hey, listen, if you want to authenticate a person as a follower of Jesus, the, the best way to do so is to see if they're humble. Humility is the, is the mark, is the you know, true mark of a follower of Jesus. That's how you know. It's, it's the uh, uh, certificate, if you will, of authenticity. And so it takes a lack of humility to slander somebody. Let me show you what Jesus said. This is where it comes from, by the way. It comes from a dark place, really. Slander comes from a real dark place. Jesus was talking to the leaders of Israel who were trying to execute him. And he said, you are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. By the way, the word devil in Greek is diablos, which literally, literally means slanderer. You are of your father, the slanderer. In Revelation, the devil is called the accuser of the saints. And so, when we slander, we do the work of Satan. It is, I don't use the word hardly ever, but it is demonic to be a person who slanders. Because those are the very thing he says about, about Satan. When he lies, he speaks from his own nature, for he is the father of lies. He is a liar, and everybody that's a liar is dark like he is. So why do we do it? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One is, is kind of, it's called deflection. Um, uh, if I uh, can point out your flaws, maybe nobody will notice my flaws. It's deflection. Well, yeah, yeah, I, I'm bad, but look how bad he is. Sure, sure, sure. I, I didn't do that right, but look how bad he did it, right? And, and so and Paul writes in Romans, since you judge others for doing these things, uh, why do you think you can avoid God's judgment when you do the same things? Well, because I do those things, but he really does those things, right? I'm going to slander him so that you will stop looking at me. We have this tendency to 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 want to group people, right? Uh, we want to group people. Um, uh, he he fits in this category. He's a redneck, or or uh, you know whatever. I mean, whatever the category is, we have this tendency to want to group people up. And so what we do is we say, hey, um, yeah yeah yeah, I'm, I'm, maybe I did this wrong, but look at that. Look at what he did. So it's it's deflection. The other reason is it kind of appeals to our pride. This is a funny verse. Gossip is so delicious, and how we love to swallow it. For slander is easily, easily absorbed into our innermost being. Let me translate that for you. We eat it up. We enjoy it. It is like that Oreo thing that they now have at Sonic. That Oreo cone. Oh. I mean, seriously. Jesus whispered in somebody's ear to make that. I, that is like, I haven't had one yet, but I think it's going to be great. Anyway, okay, okay. 60 Minutes did an interview with people who buy those tabloids at the, the grocery store, uh, like National um, something, Inquirer. Inquirer, yeah, see, you know, uh, 
That was a trick, suckers. Uh, anyway, uh, National Enquirer, there's the Star, there's others. Um, and and I, I found some headlines. Uh, did Ariana Grande cover up another Pete Davidson tattoo? Who doesn't want to know that? Uh, I know I do. I don't know who Wendy Williams is, but evidently she's living in a sober house. Good for her. Um, Mary-Kate and Ashley, they're feuding. They're so cute. They were those little girls on that one show. Um, Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton, wedding plans on hold. Mm, oh, my. Okay. Uh, Kim Kardashian and Kanye, a $300 million divorce ahead. Oh, Carlos, for that. Uh, I don't know who half those people are, but evidently, inquiring minds want to know. And so the 60 Minutes people said, do you really believe this stuff? And they were like, this was the answer. Well, not really, but we like to read it anyway. We like to think that those really, really rich people, those really, really popular people, those really, really good-looking people, we like to think that they're as messed up as we are. And that's why we read that stuff. Because we kind of like it. And most of that is just junk. It is just junk. I read this cute little article. A lady named Kathy Plate in Orlando, Florida, visited her friend, her neighbor. And her neighbor has a five-year-old son who's in the kindergarten. And, and this little boy brought out his, his picture of his class. And this is what he said. He was pointing to people in his class. He said, this is Robert. He hits everyone. This is Stephen. He, he never listens to the teacher. And this is Mark, and he chases us and is very noisy. And then he pointed to his own picture, and he said, and this is me, I'm sitting there minding my own business. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, I could point out everybody else's flaws, but I'm going to kind of hold mine pretty tight. So back to our verse. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And these are action words. Speak, speaks against doesn't mean you slip up once. It's chronic. It's habitual. You speak against and you continue to speak against. You judge and you continue to judge. You are constantly judging. You're constantly speaking against. Let me teach you some Greek because I know everybody loves to learn Greek words. Slanderer is the Greek word kataleleo. Say it with me. Kataleleo. It's a compound word. Kata means down or low. Laleo means to speak words that don't make sense. They used it for animal sounds. And so the word literally means to speak down about someone. Often it's translated backbiting, which means they're not even there. When Jesus was saying, hey, this is what you do when you have an argument, you personally go to the person and you have a conversation. Jesus is brilliant. You want to know why you go to the person and you meet face-to-face? Because there's a lot of times you wouldn't say it if they were right there. You're not whispering over the back fence. You're not typing it some anonymous, anonymously on the computer. You're standing face-to-face. And Jesus says, this is the way to settle arguments face-to-face, not behind somebody's back. A good measure is... Okay, if I wouldn't say it if you were here, I'm not going to say it since you're not here. Now, time out just for a second. This doesn't mean that we're never discerning. We have to be discerning. God gives us this ability to make value judgments, and we should make value judgments. I'll give you an example. My mother lives in Kentucky, Danville, Kentucky. Uh, She's 85 years old. 
She lives by herself. She had someone come uh, and uh, look, looking at termite, termites, make sure she didn't have those. And they crawled into the house. And when they got finished, they came and gave her a report and said she needed certain things to make the underside of her house perfect. Now, she's lived in this house 40 years. But all of a sudden, she needs a sump pump. She needs mold remediation. She needs new insulation. She needs new duct working. She needs a new roof. I don't know how you tell that from underneath. But anyway, uh, she needed... A new wiring, you know, you need a new frame job. I mean, it's like, um, and it was amazing. All the stuff she needed, they provided. Isn't that amazing? That company could do everything she needed. And it was only going to cost her $10,000. Now, as her only son, and my dad's not alive anymore, I take on a responsibility to protect my mother. I I think men should protect and provide. That's what they should do. And dad provided for her, and she's still being provided for even today because of his um, uh, investments and those kind of things. But uh, she doesn't have anybody to protect her, and it's kind of fallen to me. And that just made me so angry because I'm thinking to myself, okay, my mom is smart enough to not fall for that. How many little old ladies aren't smart enough not to fall for that? How many little old ladies fall for that? How many times does somebody like that come upon someone who seems vulnerable and they take advantage of them? Man, God has a lot to say about that too, by the way. And, and so we have to be discerning. Fortunately, my mom was much smarter than that. I didn't really have to protect her. Um, but I would have. We have to understand God gives us a brain to use. So we're not talking about being discerning in business and that sort of thing. We're talking about, I'm not going to violate the law of love by speaking about someone inappropriately. So how do we avoid slander? Perhaps I've, I've given you, hey, I, Pastor, you've convinced me. I need to do this. I know this is serious. Great. I'll tell you how to do it. Uh, oh, by the way, Mark Twain, now this is a great quote. Uh, I can, uh, a lie can travel halfway around the world while, while truth is still lacing up his boots. That, that is a great, that's a great truth. All right, so let's talk about how do, I, how do I cease slander in my own life? So first way, first way is this. Think about others properly. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister. He uses this language uh, specifically. Uh, when, when, I, when I see it, I think of Don Corleone, right? Uh, you don't mess with a family. Uh, that's, that's a pretty good... Uh, I should have my jaws out further. Uh, don't mess with the family. I mean, that's, that's why, he, that's why he, he wanted it to be read like that. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister. That's, a, that's, how, that's how James wrote it. That's exactly what he wanted. Um, I, I know that I'm a preacher. Uh, anyway, um, that's what James is saying. It's in the Bible a lot. Do not slander other Christians. You're a part of a family. Uh, Paul writes in Galatians, For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. In the military, there's something called friendly fire. You may have heard of it. There's a guy named Pat Tillman a couple years ago. He had played in the NFL, and then he went back to the military, and he was caught in friendly fire. Friendly fire is when you're your side, you're, you're the... In this case, the Americans were shooting at what they thought were the enemy, but the, the enemy was really them, was really another, other Americans. They mistook other Americans for, 
for them, and they shot at them. And in this case, Pat Tillman was killed with friendly fire. I can't imagine. Listen, if you served in the military, uh, I honor you and I thank you. I can't imagine the stress and you know the post-stress of that. Uh, then you take that to a different level if you have been in friendly fire or you've committed friendly fire not knowing, and you don't do it on purpose, obviously. But what Paul is talking about here, what James is talking about in James 4 is we don't shoot each other. We, we don't talk bad about each other. Jesus put it this way. He said, if anyone causes one of these little ones, he's not talking about kids, by the way. He's talking about followers. In fact, he explains it. Those who believe in me. If anyone causes those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. If Jesus was Don Corleone, he would say, it's better them to sleep with the fishes. I mean, that's uh, uh, to, to slander. That's good. I, I'm sorry. That was really good. Um, it would be better to not live than to slander and cause someone to stumble. Jesus was one time asked, hey, what, what's the greatest commandment? The, the Old Testament is full of rules, right? 619, 613, something like that. There's lots of them. And so somebody said, hey, Jesus, um, that's a lot. Can you help us? Can you condense it? And Jesus is, was amenable to that. So he said, um, where, what did he say? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And, and the second law uh, that you need to understand is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no command greater than these. And so the second way we cease to slander is that we understand the law properly. James said, anyone who speaks against a brother or sister and judges them speaks against the law. So what's really important for us to understand the law is, is about love. I heard John MacArthur explain it this way, and I want to share it with you because it's super good. That the Ten Commandments, you find it in Exodus 20. The Ten Commandments really deal with how we are to love one another. So look at this. You shall have no other gods before me. It means love is loyal. Uh, do not make any idols or graven images. Love is faithful. Uh, don't take the name of the Lord's name in vain. Uh, love is respectful. Remember the Sabbath. Love is devoted. Honor your father and mother. Love is submissive. It isn't rebellious. Uh, Thou shalt not kill, love protects. Uh, thou shalt not commit adultery, love is pure. Don't steal, love is unselfish and giving. Uh, don't bear false witness, love tells the truth. Love uh, is content, it does not covet. And so what he's saying is, hey, uh, all of the law, Jesus is saying all the law is wrapped up in love God supremely and love your neighbor as yourself. Paul put it like this, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves one another has fulfilled the law. Our obligation is to love one another. And so I stop to slander when I think of others the right way and I stop slandering when I think of the law the right way. It's really important. The idea of the flow is this. Um, we're supposed to love each other. Slander is obviously not loving each other. Therefore, when we slander, we break the law. And we shouldn't do that. Another way to see slander is to think about God properly. And he says, there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. So, let's say you were looking for a job. If you're looking for a job, one of the places you go, you can go to Indeed online. They have job postings there. And you see a job posting and it says, judge of all the earth. And you find that you're interested. 
<laughs> Who wouldn't want that job? So you're looking at qualifications. What, how do you qualify to be judge of all the earth? And it says right here that you have to be able to save and destroy. But not just physically, like the soul. Well, okay, I don't qualify for that job. You don't qualify for that job. Here's the thing about the Trinity. There are no job openings. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, not God the you, and not God the me. He doesn't need any help judging. Here's what happens when we judge. We make determinations based on incomplete data. I don't know everything. So, I like those, um, I like those um, shows that have law shows, you know. So, you watch this law show and there's this person and he has a defense attorney and a prosecutor. And the prosecutor gets up and he says, this guy kicks his dog and he... Um, he only drinks half his water bottle and then throws it away. And he's scum. You know, he's scum. We're all like, yeah, he's scum. And then the defense attorney gets up and he says, well, no, he uses the other half of the water to water his plants that he gives to his dying mother. It's like, oh, well, he's a great guy. So there's, you can't just listen to one side of the story, right? You, once you hear the prosecutor, it's like, yeah, he's a jerk. Well, once you hear the defense guy, he's like, no, he's a saint. Well, usually the truth is somewhere in the middle, the point is, I don't have all the information. And like I said before, we have this tendency to generalize people. Well, he looks this way, therefore he must be this. He looks this way, therefore he must be that. It's like this old story I heard about this couple of kids are playing in the backyard, and they're, they're playing, and, and the neighbor dog, who's uh, part Doberman, part Pitbull, jumps the fence and runs toward the boys. Like, oh my word, this is going to be bad. There happened to be a guy uh, with a cell phone, and he takes a picture, you know, just kind of watching, because he's not going to help, he's just going to video, because that's what we do. And uh, uh, this dog is charging, and one of the boys happens to think quick, and he takes a stick, and he, he beats the dog, and he jumps back over the fence. It's amazing. He saves his friend. Now, the guy taking the video comes up and he says, I'm going to post this online. I'm going to say, University of South Carolina fan saves friend. And the kid said, well, I'm not a University of South Carolina fan. It's like, okay, that's okay, that's okay. Clemson fan saves friend. That's going to be the headline. He's like, mm, I'm not a Clemson fan either. The guy said, well, what kind of fan are you? And he said, well, I'm a Georgia fan. So the headline was, um, hoodlum attacks family pet. Uh, you know, it's all, it's all about how you look at it, right? It's all about how you look at it. We have this tendency to... to gen- if, you're a, uh, if you're a Georgia fan, we love you. Uh, we do. Uh, I didn't want to tell that joke. Chris made me. Okay, anyway, anyway. Um, what we have a tendency to do is see the flaws in others that we have in ourselves, and we have a tendency to comment on those. And, and so, if I want to see slander, I have to start looking at others properly. They're created in the image of God. They're brothers and sisters. I have to start thinking about the law properly. I have to stop thinking about God properly. I have to start thinking about Him as He's the judge and I'm not the judge. And finally, I have to stop, start thinking about myself properly. And James, is he's got a little bit of snark in him, and I like that. But you... This is how you have, to, you have to read it this way. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Who, who you think you are? Like, what, what qualifies you to, to do this? You're like the least qualified cat 
to judge people. It would be like you asking me to judge a cheese contest. I am the least, I hate cheese, I don't want cheese. You don't ask me to judge cheese. I don't like cheese. Um, it would be like asking a Duke fan to judge basketball. What do they know about it? Uh, nothing. They know nothing. And so, and so, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, that was from the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Uh, anyway, Jesus said this. Do not judge others and do not be judged, so that, and, you, and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. And we think, oh, we're going to skate on this deal. We're not going to skate on this deal. The way you treat others is the way you're going to be treated. When God judges, as, and he judges, when he judges, he judges truthfully and fairly and honestly. And sometimes in the American court system, people get away with murder. And sometimes in the American court system, people get away with things because they have a lot of money or they have a lot of power. And all of us think in our spirits that's just not fair. And let me tell you, it isn't fair. It's not fair. It's not fair that you get preferential treatment if you have more money. It's not fair that you get preferential treatment if you're in a higher position than somebody else. Not fair that the Bible never says this world is going to be fair. What it does say is someday there's a judge who will judge honestly and truthfully and fairly and accounts will be settled. It's not maybe going to happen in this world, but it will happen. It is something to hang your hat on. Eventually, it's going to happen. Jesus said this, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. When I stand before God, the one thing I'm going to hope for most in life is that God shows me mercy. I'm patient with people because God is patient with me. Many of you have seen that movie, uh, Christmas Vacation. Clark Griswold is expecting um, a Christmas bonus. He had gotten a Christmas bonus two years ago, and he had gotten Christmas bonus last year, and he was anticipating the Christmas bonus. And then he kind of gets all mad because he doesn't get his Christmas bonus. And the idea is sometimes we get things and we just sort it's a bonus. It's not, it's not pay. It was a bonus. It's extra. It was a gift. But we start to expect the gift, the bonus. And sometimes with God, we start, we start to expect... Look, look, I've gotten grace, and I've gotten grace, and I've gotten grace, and I've gotten grace. I've gotten it over and over again. I sort of expect it, but I don't give it. Every time we receive grace, it is a gift. Every time it's a gift. It's never not a gift. And it's a gift that we should continue to give. So... Yeah, people do really dumb things, and you would really like to comment about it. And, and, and you've got your phone, or you, you're on the keyboard, and you're ready to make a comment. Because, by golly, they deserve a comment. I want you to hearken back to Mama. Because you want to know what Mama say? Mama say, if you can't say anything nice about somebody, don't say anything at all. And you want to know something? Mama ain't wrong. Mama must have read James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. If you can't say something nice, then don't say anything at all. Mama wasn't wrong. This, 
if we are going to proclaim the name of Christ, if we're going to say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, this is how we are supposed to live. We don't go around. I know we might mess up and make a mistake and do it one time. It's okay. It cannot be the habit of our life to be a slanderer. Just, it just can't be who we are. It cannot be who we are. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for what you teach us in your word. And this, this, this is powerful. And I thank you for reminding us that you take this really seriously. Help us to take it really seriously too. Help us to keep our mouths shut when we need to. Lord, give us discernment and help us to make good judgments. But we don't have to say everything we think. Help us to remember to be careful with our words. We pray it humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.